What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You are listening to episode 100 and we thought for tonight we would do something cool for you guys. Since the draft is coming and the Red Wings have been in misery for a little bit, we have brought on Tony Ferrari from the newly minted Dauber Draftcast. And I also am here tonight with Ryan Tyler. Couldn't make it. He had some work stuff. Tony, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to be here to talk some prospects for you yeah, because that's all we really have to look forward to right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you want, we can go over some of the game tape from November and December. It was Let's really not. fun. Please, you please know, do there, not. There's things called darkness. <laughs> that, that would be a part of that darkness. I know. I mean, I'm, a Le- <laughs> I'm a Leafs fan. I know darkness. <laughs> Every single first round is darkness. I was going to bring it up, but it is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it feels great to just hate myself every day of my life, so... Uh, Ryan, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Got the yard mowed today. I think it spurred my neighbor to mow their yard because it turned into a jungle. So, oh great! I'm pretty excited about that. Got some founders in front of me, and yeah, it's beautiful out. Got the windows open finally, so that's I'm absolutely loving that aspect. Yeah, for this occasion, I'm drinking bourbon. So, Ooh. yeah, I just got unraveled. Um, so, if you guys haven't uh, checked it out already, you should. Tony, in your world, I guess your new thing is the Dauber Draftcast. How's that going over there? Uh, Dauber Draftcast is going pretty good. We were five episodes deep, now six episodes deep. And uh, we're trying to do it at least three times a month. Uh, we take usually one week off during the, during the month. But overall, it's fun. It's uh, all draft prospects. We don't really focus on any team uh, affiliated prospects unless they kind of just come up in conversation but for the most part it's the draft and we've kind of covered the 2020 draft and a little bit of 2021 already so it's uh it's been fun so is that what you're going to do keeping going out forward is just okay so we're getting past this draft and now we're going right into 2021 draft yeah it's kind of a weird summer because of the everything being pushed around and moved around so we the original plan was we were going to put out our 2021 rankings right after the, or right before the Helenka Cup or Gretzky Cup, but then that was canceled and the NHL playoffs got pushed back and and so now we're kind of in the middle of doing a little bit of like starting the 2021 crop and finishing off the 2020 crop because we don't want to complete completely abandon them yet either. So it's uh, it's a little bit of a mixed bag right now for us. It's a great time to start a podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In a way, it works out great because a lot of these European prospects especially they're getting ready to start their season if they're in especially in the pro leagues so you're gonna have no nhl i mean granted a lot of stuff over here is all who knows what the hell's going on but then starting off you'll be able to focus squarely on european prospects for several months yeah it's pretty sweet some of the european guys have already started up i know lucas raymond started up the other day he had four points if i'm not mistaken uh so i think yeah he's he's doing good he's doing exactly what i expected from him so uh, it's it's a ton of fun seeing some of these European guys start to get back on the ice and, and get going this year. And you have a friend working on the draft cast with you. Yeah, Yoki Nevalainen. He's the head of Europe for Dauber Prospects, and I take care of the North American side for the most part. But no, he's one of the most knowledgeable guys about European prospects. You can ask him about a guy that you've you've never even heard of. You can probably make up a name, and he knows the guy. <laughs> so uh, he, he's super knowledgeable, and I'm I'm super lucky to have him on the podcast with me. Yeah, he's really great on Twitter. Um, is, is he in Finland? Yeah, he's located right in Finland. So he's, he's over there going. To, he's already in the rinks right now. So he was at a couple games the other day. Doing, I think uh, some of the Finnish teams were doing three on three tournaments. So that was pretty fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's great having him because yeah, the European guys, it's it's tough to get a read on some of them. Yeah, it's uh, I saw him post a picture saying he's happy to be back in the arenas. So it's got to be really fun being able to actually go to live sports again. Yeah. <laughs> 
But uh, I think we're going to get right into it tonight. Now, we do have quite a few listener questions about the draft, which is great because I think as Red Wings fans, our team is not great right now and is probably not going to be good for a little while. So the best thing to do is to learn about who's coming and the possibility of who we could get and how they can help our team. Uh, And I guess maybe some comparables to who who might be a skater like them in the NHL right now. So I think we're going to jump right into fan questions. And first comes from Aaron Bard, which is at AF Bard on Twitter, that we know Iserman isn't afraid to go against the grain. Do you see now this is my favorite. Do you see Askarov Mm -hmm. as a potential option at four? Anyone else outside the usual suspects of Raymond, Rossi, Perfetti and Drysdale that you could see going there? Uh, it's a, it's a tough one. Cause I, I'm a huge Askarov guy and, and I'm all about drafting him. Mike, cause I really oh, do too. think he's a top 10 prospect, but at four, yeah, I just, you can't do it. I, I, there's just no way I I've, I've argued with my, I've argued myself up to saying that maybe he could go six, but even that, like I'm going crazy when I say that. So I, there's just no chance at four as for outside picks. Uh, maybe Eisenman decides, you know what? He's just going to go with a guy like Sanderson. Uh, to me, Drysdale would be an outside pick because I just don't see him in that range at, at four. But uh, maybe someone like that. I, I don't see anyone too far off the board this year. Yeah, Askarov. I think I have Askarov going in between 12 and 15, really, in that range. And that's why I kind of want to trade for that Toronto pick that they just got. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone, threw out on, go there <laughs> someone threw out on Twitter the other day. They're like, well... Would Toronto take maybe Philip Hronick and uh, another pick for the number 15? And I had said that's probably totally possible. And then Tony yeah. said that, oh, Askarov's not going to be there at 15. And that's why you take that 15 and you throw in another late round pick and move up to 12 or whatever you need to do to get him. Yeah. So if you don't think he's going to be here, if you say 12 to 15, you think it's going to be Carolina? I think it's it like there's a there's a couple teams that kind of intrigue like Yoki Yoki brought up uh, Nashville actually at 11 and and it makes a yeah. lot of sense because yeah. Pekka Rene's on his way out and UC yep. Saros just isn't the guy he's a he guy does that not can, look good yeah he's a guy you can pair with with a guy like Yaroslav Askarov while he's young and, and let Askarov grow into that role but I think Askarov's probably two years away at minimum he's still a goalie and he's still any prospect you're getting in that 10 to 10 to 20 range you're most likely going to be waiting a year at least two years probably comes in like a carter hart yeah exactly so i think he probably comes in similarly how carter hart did um carter hart probably wasn't expected to come in that early but i think Askarov has a chance to be expected that early so i think he's worth a pick in that range but yeah anything trying to really pull up but uh Nashville, maybe Minnesota jumps at nine, but I don't see that. Buffalo is another one, but Buffalo has some pretty decent goaltending prospects. So maybe they, they wait. Um, Yeah. I think, I think the big guys are maybe, maybe Minnesota, Nashville. And then yeah, Carolina is like the gold mine. If it makes it to Carolina, there's no way I see it getting past them. Yeah. Cause Carolina is already talking about moving goalies. So yeah. Uh, Cool. Yeah, I think I I'd say the same thing. I think Askarov is a very big reach. Um, I don't really have anyone past Raymond Rossi, Perfetti and Drysdale unless Tim Stutzel falls to four somehow by hope like Zadina fell. So we can hope maybe mm-hmm. that Tim Stutzel falls and that Ottawa takes Drysdale because they need defense. So we'll see what happens there. But I really don't see anyone outside of Raymond Rossi, Perfetti and Drysdale at four. Really? Yeah. Um, so next is from at Twin Turbo Slime. Uh, Detroit is rumored to take Perfetti at four. And I want to know where people keep hearing these rumors at. 
how do you feel out today in the ESPN article? Sure. Anyone can say anything they want about who were they think we're going to take. How do you feel about them passing up on better players like Rossi or Raymond to pick a guy because he played in Saginaw? So that is also a very kind of a very passive aggressive question. Yeah, (laughs) which is phenomenal. And I agree. I think Rossi and Raymond um, could be better than Perfetti. Um, but a lot of people are on the Cole Perfetti train. Yeah, I think the Cole Perfetti train started when right after the draft lottery, when Detroit got that fourth spot, they Sam Cosentino came out, I think, from Sportsnet and said something about, well, oh, that's a lock. That's that's where the pick is. And I, I kind of questioned it at the time. And I, I, I almost thought maybe he he overspoke what he thought about the pick. Like maybe he thought that's where it was going, but he kind of, the way he said it, it sounded like almost a guarantee. So there, that's why a lot of people are drawn to that. But yeah, to me, I, I have Raymond Rossi probably ahead of, of Perfetti. I think Perfetti's in that next group with guys like Alexander Holtz and, and Jamie Drysdale. I probably put in that group as well. But I think at that fourth spot, you're really banking on a group of three of Raymond Rossi and Stutzla. And if, 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 you guys end up with Raymond. I, I'd be happier than than ending up with Stutzel. To be completely honest, I have I have Raymond a little bit ahead of Stutzel, and and to me that gap just keeps widening as I watch more of their tape. I think Raymond probably has one of the highest ceilings in this draft. Yeah, and and it's simply not shown. You look at the numbers and you say, well, the number. And we talked about this on a previous podcast. You look at the numbers and you say, well, the numbers look kind of mediocre. And then you look that they were only playing him nine minutes a night. And then you look at his Corsi numbers and they're off the charts. So I think it's a he's he's damned because the SHL loves putting vets ahead of rookies. Yeah. But for what he's done in the time he was given at 17 years old is has been phenomenal. So I think Raymond probably has the highest probably one of the highest ceilings out of the draft, which I would love Raymond, but I think right now the Red Wings more need center depth. And even then, Rossi, I think, is probably the most NHL ready player coming out. Yeah, I think if you're if you really want to center, you, you probably want to go with Rossi or even maybe an Anton Lundell because he is a lot. Cl- he's really close to the NHL and he's probably in that next group. But I, I still think he'd be a bit of a reach. But in my opinion, if you're kind of debating between Stutzel and Stutzel and Raymond, I think the the flash and the 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 wow is there with Stutzel, and, and you're going to get a guy that can really fin- like really finish plays, really set up plays, and he's not necessarily going to be the play driver. I think he's going to yeah. need a center to drive that line. Whereas I think Raymond, uh, Lucas Raymond's got that talent to be able to really drive the line from the outside. I was talking with someone on Twitter the other day, and they brought up playing with him with Valeno as the, on the second line. Oh. And, and while I, I don't know if Valeno is a, a true second line center, I think it, he's a guy that if you can put Raymond with him because Raymond can drive that line from the wing, I think you can kind of play Valeno up a little bit. Um, I, I still think Valeno probably profiles as a third line center, but if your choice is between him and Franz Nielsen, I'm probably going to play. <laughs> I'm probably going to play Valeno over him to be completely honest. I, I think right now your choice is between Valeno or Valtteri Filppula. Oh, okay, now, so same thing. Yeah. Now, I guess, <laughs> I guess uh, the the recent thing is Robbie Fabry wants to play center. <laughs> now, I think you could play Robbie Fa- Robbie Fabry as your two C. Now, if you had a line though, uh, I wouldn't be mad at a line of Raymond, uh, Valeno and Zadina. Like, yeah, that sounds like a phenomenal line. 
Yeah, that was the kind of pro- thought process behind that line, too, is if you have Zadina on that line as well, Raymond and, and Valeno are going to be responsible responsible enough to play that defensive role. So v- Zadina will be able to kind of skate around at the blue line. He's not going to need to commit as much to the defensive side of the puck, and he's going to be at his best when he does that. I think Zadina is perfectly capable of being an above average defensive winger if he really commits to it. But if he doesn't have to, if you can put him on a line with a guy like Valeno and, and Raymond, I mean, Zadina's offensive upside goes through the roof at that point, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's kind of the same situation where if you draft a Marco Rossi, you can have a second line of Robbie Fabry, Marco Rossi, Philip Zadina. Yeah. And that's even still, I mean, you are you have a, a line that could probably easily eventually be a first line, and you're running basically two top lines there at that yeah. point. Yeah, I think that's what we're looking at. I, I Again, Perfetti is a good player, but I think there are guys that are either more ready or that like a like a Raymond have a higher upside. Yeah. So question number three comes from Jimmy V at Jim underscore Volmer on Twitter. Expectations. So they're looking for expectations for Valeno, Berggren, Johansson and Groove next year. Um, And then they have a second part, but I think we can go through the first part first. Yeah, I'll start with Valeno. I think Valeno is going to get time at the NHL level next year. I think if if the AHL doesn't play, I, I don't see a reason not to put him at the NHL full time. Um, yep. at worst, you get him, get him at game time against NHL guys and let him develop at that, at that stage. Cause him not playing games really isn't an option. No. Um, so I think, I think he's a guy that's going to get NHL time regardless next year. Even if the AHL does play, he's going to come up and play some games and, and at least get used to it. Um, I wouldn't expect big, like big production from him. Cause I, I do think he's going to be told to rely on the defensive side of the game when he first comes to the NHL to get him used to that side of the puck and, and it really let him get his feet wet there and not feel the pressure to produce. And it maybe the offense just kind of comes to him at that point. Um, as for Bergen, I, I think with him, you're just hoping for an, a healthy season. Yeah, Don't get injured, you're, please. Yeah, You're just hoping like nothing breaks. Just because he's got the skill. He's got everything you want. Like, yeah, he's the guy that I've heard people say that like, he's the guy that probably should have went in the top 20 of that draft. But yep. the injuries just make it so difficult to justify that. So uh, in that the problems continue, continue to persist. So do you I, project him out as like a second line guy? Second, I project, third line middle six. Yeah, I was going to say middle six guy, second or third line scoring winger. And, and, and I think he can be a good player at that that at that stage but i i think he needs to make sure he can stay healthy i think doing changing something in his off-season program or or starting yoga i don't know do something to (laughs) get your body in shape yeah yeah (laughs) drink milk like just do something to stop getting hurt uh so yeah i think bergren could i think bergren's kind of one of my guys i'm really pulling for because he has hands like he he break he, he had some ankle breaking moves some some Datsuk esque ankle breaking moves that were just phenomenal but he's a guy I'm really pulling for. Um, it's beautiful. Now the other guy who I'm kind of high on that I'm really hoping pans out. And it seems like they're kind of trying to fast track him is Albert Johansson. Albert Johansson's a good player. I think he's he's a guy that I, I think he he has the tools. But sometimes I just don't know if he's thinking fully when he's he's on on the ice. Um, there's there's a lot of issues with his his processing speed, I think. And if if he can really kind of just take a step in in that regard, he's it's going to be a big deal for him because he's a good player. There's no no doubt about his skill level. I don't know how much he's going to produce at the the NHL level. I think he's going to be a, a two way transitional kind of guy because he's a good skater. But um, as a prospect, I think he's going to be a, a bottom pairing guy. I, I don't see really 
too much upside with him. Like he could play maybe on this the the penalty kill, sorry, and and kind of fill fill the need there. That kind of disappoints me. So you're saying he's maybe kind of like another Gustav Lindstrom? Yeah, I I think he might have a little bit more upside than Gustav Lindstrom, but I I really don't know how much is there. Didn't he make the Sweden uh, junior team? Uh, he did, but again, he wasn't like fantastic. It was just he's there for a filler. <laughs> yeah, he's he's he kind of plays the same role almost everywhere he goes. It seems like when okay. he's playing, he's plays that four five six role, and he does he does it well. Like he's not a a bad defenseman by any means. So he's going to be a useful guy in the back end that can can fill a spot, and you're not going to have to worry about fi- trading a third round pick at the deadline for a th- third pairing guy because you already have him. Yeah, what I'm looking for in him really is I, I think we're going to have enough D-men that come in that can really drive some play. I'm looking for kind of more of a shutdown guy. Yeah, and he's not a, he's not afraid to really shot, block shots or get in the way in, of the puck in that, in that regard. He, he he needs to get a little stronger, like I said. But uh, outside of that, I think he's a, is a solid two-way transitional defender who can who can break up rushes and, and maybe he struggles a little bit on sustained zone zone pressure but he's going to be a guy that closed gaps and, and really shut down the play in the neutral zone uh, a guy that kind of comes to mind is like a travis dermott he's okay. not going to be flashy he's not going to be if you play him on your top bear you're probably going to struggle like toronto did in the playoffs but um <laughs> so I, I had to i had to throw a shot you have in there to just dig the knife in I yourself just, a little yeah deeper. Just, just stab a little deeper <laughs> but no like if, if he's playing on your your third third pairing he's more than serviceable guy there good is he staying over in sweden this year um i, I know they don't just signed him know. to his entry level yeah i believe um, he is st- i don't he's not coming over to grand rapids until next year i don't think okay, yeah right now he's still 19 so yeah, right now it's he's listed as playing for Fargestad of the SHL, so he'll probably get SHL time like he did last year, and hopefully his production kind of upticks a little bit from that because 13 points in 42 games isn't bad. No, it's not bad, and like I said, I'm kind of expecting more of a defensive defenseman. I'm I'm hoping guys like her, the three I'm hoping drive player Heronic, Sider, and McIsaac. I'm hoping guys like a uh, like a Lidstrom, like a Johansson, eventually maybe a Berglund can play a shutdown defensive style. So the next person I guess they want to touch on, and this one I think is going to be kind of interesting because he just made a transition over to North America this offseason. Now that might be slightly delayed because of the whole COVID thing. But Alvin Groove just moved over to the Saginaw spirit, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yep. Uh, he's he's a fun player to watch. He was a guy that in his this year, I, I kind of felt like he stagnated, maybe even took a, a slight step back. But he was a guy in his draft year that I really felt Detroit got good value on. I thought he was a guy that was, should have been drafted closer to the first round, maybe maybe even in the latter half of the first round. But he, he was a guy that he plays with so much fire and tenacity. He's he's not he's that angry. Big, yeah, so that's the perfect word. Yeah, and sometimes he is. And, and as a 17-year-old kid, you kind of got to maybe hope that some with some maturity, he, he can kind of rein in when he is a dick and kind of <laughs> con- control the asshole meter, essentially, right? Like, You know who but, did that too, though? Tyler Bertuzzi and Giovanni Smith were kind of the same way. Yeah, exactly. They didn't really lose a step in their production, though. No, but Alvin Groove, I mean, they nicknamed him the T-Rex for a reason. <laughs> Yeah, I think the big thing with him last year was he he was full time in the SHL for the most part, and he just really wasn't getting any opportunity. 
And then when he was getting the opportunity, you could tell he was a little frustrated and he was holding the stick tight and and he wasn't really converting on on all of his chances. But I, I still think there's a lot here personally. He was a guy that I was really big fan of going to his draft year last year. Do you think well, that's why they moved him over to Saginaw simply because the SHL doesn't give their rookies a ton of time? I think it was a big thing for him. I think he wanted to get out in, in general and in the fact that he could go right to Saginaw, be in Detroit's backyard. Realistically, they're going to have development staff with working with him throughout the year. And, and that's a great spot for him. And and I think just coming over the OHL, I think he's going to really produce a pretty decent clip. And, and I think he's going to be able to sh- kind of develop more of that uh, swagger that he, he plays with and, and doing it for the Saginaw spirit in the OHL. I think he's going to really, uh, really get into some kids skin if they, if they get the season going this year. I really want him, and this is my my wish for him, is to turn into kind of like a discount version of Brad Marchand. Like, just a real asshole on the ice and can still produce... Like, Brad Marchand produces great. Like, Brad Marchand's that elite-tier agitator who produces very well. I want Groove to be that kind of agitator, but also have some production behind him. I mean, he does have the crazy eyes going. He does. Oh, crazy eyes or something, man. Uh, but no, he's a guy that I think realistically he can be a third line scoring guy. I think he's a guy that can pitch in anywhere between 30 and 45 points. Uh, maybe he gets 50 on a good year, but I think he's going to be in that range. And he's going to be a guy that, like you said, he's he's going to be the agitator. He may not be the guy that drops the gloves all the time, but that's not his role. He's 5'11", 190. He's built, he's built like a little truck. He's angry because he's, he's small. Yeah, he, he's one of those guys that are just super angry because he's small, like that little Brad Marchand guy in the bagel shop videos we always see like, <laughs> like that's Alvin Greva like that's that's what he is so if he can kind of continue to take that step and maybe the, the extra playing time this year should help him so I'm really looking forward to this year I think it's gonna be a big year for Alvin Greva now the he second try to fight at prospect camp he yes. did yes he did who, he who did was it uh they were six seven or Elmer seven. Soderblom yes okay. I was, I was there say, I was yeah, there in the stands there, like, no yeah I was there and we're like, yeah, he just literally five foot 11. Albin tried to fight Elmer Soderblom, who's now like that, one of the Ents from Lord of the Rings. It was, was insane. Video comparison. Of yeah. The angry Brad Marchand. The yeah. Um, oh. So the second part of Jimmy's question is best slash favorite change of scenery young player that the wing should pursue this fall. Uh, this one's this one's going to be a boring answer because it's probably the one that's most discussed on Twitter. <laughs> but I, I got to go with Thatcher Demko. I, I think he'd be an awesome addition for for the wings. I, I agree. Think he, like he you can and not only that, but you can kind of take the price tag down on him and take over a Louis Erickson or something. I think you get him for free. Yeah, you realistically could. Like I like I wouldn't be shocked to see a, a realm where it's like Louis Erickson Thatcher Demko for a fifth. Or something like yeah. that. Like, just get rid of Louis Erickson because they're going to be in hell next year in their cap in Vancouver. Yeah. So, I, I think Thatcher Demko would be a pretty sweet sweetener to to toss onto that trade. And if Detroit can manage it, uh, I think Steve Eiserman has the Jedi powers to do it. <sighs> Steve Eiserman, like I said to you earlier, Steve Eiserman is a wizard. He can do whatever he wants. But I, I think mine earlier this year was uh, Louis Erickson, Thatcher Demko, and a pretty high pick for Dennis Chalowski in a middling pick. Yeah, that'd be fair. Like, I, think I wouldn't that be shocked would get it with done. that. You think he's on his way up? Uh, Chalowski, I think you could use him as a piece because you have such a decent D pipeline. You could use Chalowski as a piece to get a higher pick along with like a Louis Erickson and a Demko. 
And at this point with his development, I think Detroit kind of knows what they have with them. And, and mm-hmm. I, for, for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like they're, they're meshing well. So I think it'd be a perfect situation for, for maybe Chilowski to be that young player that needs that change of scenery as well. So uh, packaging him in that deal as well and adding some more picks and getting a little bit more value for the Red Wings wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. And even getting someone like Thatcher Demko that could, uh, could evolve into a starter role and then say someone like a Keith Petrozelli ends up turning out great or someone like a Larson turn Philip Larson turns it around. You've got two young, r- good goalies that you can rely on and make kind of like the cornerstone of your of your franchise. Yeah. And I think you see it today, like in the NHL all the time now in the playoffs. And there's so many teams that have that backup goalie that's just as good, whether it's Vegas with with uh, Leonard and, and Fleury or even in uh, New York, they have Varlamov and in uh, and their 800 other goalies they have. Yeah, it doesn't matter in that system. You can just throw any goalie in. But Columbus, no, like, you've got Merz Lincolns and Corpus Allo. And like the crazy thing I was telling my uh, a friend this the other day who's a Columbus fan is like they have Merz Lincolns, they have Corpus Allo, they have that uh, Kivalheme kid that came up this year. Yep. None of those guys are even their best goaltending prospect. No, that's like, the it's thing. Crazy. No, that's why so I said much that. Depth and goal. I said Iserman could pursue one of the Columbus goalies if he wanted to because they've got like 43 goalies that are ready to come into the NHL at any minute. And somehow they were able to hit on the voodoo guys. Yeah, it's it's Corby and there's Lincoln start signing for two more years each. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's it's a crazy situation in Columbus. So I'd be targeting their goalies. Good. Yeah. uh, So now our next question is from actually one of our new listeners, uh, Dylan Crow on Twitter at Dylan underscore Crow says, hey, guys, new listener here. Just wondering who you guys want the wings to target with our two third round picks. And for Tony, who are some high compete, uh, high level IQ forwards that the wings could target in the third or later rounds in the draft? Third round pick is ours in San Jose's, and that's all Tony because I have not looked far enough mm-hmm. into the third round. Ew. So I guess it would be who's who do you see would be a good target for two third round picks uh, that is kind of high level, high IQ, maybe sleeper forwards that people just really aren't paying enough attention to. Well, there's there's a few guys in the third round that I really like, and, and they're they're probably guys I have actually ranked in the second round, but a guy like Brett Burrard, he's a smaller forward played for the national team development program, but this kid, is just a stud. You look at every metric he has. He's one of the best forwards on that team. He, he was near the top of the team in scoring, if not the top scorer on the team. I think Thomas Bordelow actually edged him out by a point, but no, he, he's just a, a high compete forward who, who just knows where to be is his paths around the offensive zone are really, really intelligent. And he's always, he just, always seems to be where the puck is and puts the puck on net and he gets a ton of shots and generates a ton of shots on net. Uh, he's a smaller player. So his defensive play is, uh, is not great, but he's got a ton of skill. And I think Brett Bird's a, uh, kind of a, a, a smaller meat and potatoes guy that can just produce and, and does plays the game the right way. Yeah. I'm looking at him right now. Uh, five, nine, one fifty two. Yeah, he's a smaller guy, but like he, what impressed me about him is like I have uh, access to a program called Instat where I can see some of the metrics from whether it's zone entries or zone exits and stuff like that. Or even there's a stat called challenge percentage, which is it measures any one on one battle from uh, a one on one deco in open ice to an actual board battle along the boards. Wow. And, and Brett Berard's actually quite good at that. He's he's over 50 percent, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's at like 50.3. But for a player his size, you don't expect that. So if he's able to compete his way to winning that many battles, if he gets a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, he's going to win more of those battles because he already has that that work ethic and that that will to compete in those battles as it is. 
Yeah, he's a September birthday. What What's kind of impressive about him looking at him, he played for the U.S. National Development Team. Uh, 34 points in 41 games, and it's pretty spread between goals and assists. And it looks like he's committed to Providence College. So he will be going through the NCAA system, which has been getting better over the years. I mean, it's a lot of you'll see, I think, a lot of the players now that are not foreign players choose to go the college route for at least a couple years until they unless they prove themselves that they're just way outmatching college. But I think that's a good pick. So I guess keep an eye out on Brett Berard. Yeah, and just to name a few other guys in the third round range, I think a guy like Evan Veerling, I think he was a second overall pick by Flint in the OHL draft, and he had a good rookie year. And then he kind of fell flat on his face in the first little bit of the year with with Flint. And then he got traded to Barry and instantly took off. He was over a point a game player at that point. Uh, he was he he was the reason Tyson Forrester became what he was because he was the playmaking side of that that duo. And I think Veerling's going to be a really sneaky pick that the, I think he's a guy that Detroit would target in the in the third round because he's got decent size, decent hands. He's he's, he's a really good play driving center. How is Barry's team this year? Not great, but okay. <laughs> like not the worst. Like they it, it was a weird year in Barry because they they had the old Windsor owner, uh, Warren Reichel coaching for them and. Things didn't really work out and he didn't really seem to mesh with the team and they couldn't get off the ground. And then they made a change at coach and they they brought someone new and I'm blanking on the name right now. But the team turned right around in in players like where they brought in Veerling and Tyson Forrester. They they both started going through the roof and a guy like Brant Clark, who's who's eligible for the 2021 draft, one of the top prospects there. He went from being a guy that was barely producing to producing over a point a game as a a 16 year old defenseman in the (laughs) OHL. So. I, there was something there weird early in the year, so I think that kind of played into it. But I, I think there's there's a lot of hidden talent in Barry. I mean, you could see, you even see it at the NHL level. A coaching change sometimes just kicks people in the ass. Yeah. Uh, sometimes kids, I mean, even just kids need a, a change of of leadership, a different voice there, someone that's maybe a little more supportive, and then and then gives them maybe a little bit. I, I feel like a lot of it, and we've seen it with coaching in the minor leagues recently is it's not all it's cracked up to be and that sometimes the kids just need the little extra motivation, the little extra one-on-one time to kind of unlock what they can do. Yeah. And and that may be just the case for some people where you see, and that's maybe how you get fourth, fifth round sleepers where they're like, well, maybe they just need a better coach and you get that coach to them. You get the people around them that can kind of foster what they're good at and give them the little bit of encouragement they need and they take off. So. Yeah, and that, that's something I always try to look for when I'm doing my rankings, especially once I start getting outside of that top 50, top 60 range, because then you're you're banking on guys' tools for the most part because these guys are incomplete players at that stage. So yeah. you, you look at a guy and you go, what could he be if he had like good coaching or, or what? Like a lot of times you see a guy, especially in the MHL, like the Russian Junior League, and, and the coaching there is kind of atrocious because they, they don't have any, basically. <laughs> and um, like it, it's a disaster of a league to watch sometimes because like, these guys are just walking in right over the blue line firing a shot despite the fact that they have 30 feet in front of them to get to the net and stuff so when you see a guy like Murat Kuznadinov or a guy like Dmitry Evchinikov they're, they're two really good guys at getting to the middle of the ice driving the play towards the middle and attacking the zone like that so you have to in despite the production not necessarily being there you got to look at guys like that and go what could they be if they were put in a good system so I think the third fourth round is a great time to, to swing on guys that you, you're like I like these two or three tools they have and that's my guy Well, I think you could even go the opposite way. You could say, well, this guy is really producing well. What would happen if you took the two overagers off his wing? 
Exactly. Or what would you do if you took away this playmaking center and this overager? What what would he do if you dropped him? Okay. What would you do? What would he do if you dropped him on Detroit's third line? And he's automatically playing with Darren Helm and Luke Glendening. Like I mean, unless it's Alexis Lafreniere or Quentin Byfield, nothing. <laughs> yeah. So I think it, it goes it goes both ways. Where what if you take this player who who looks like he's probably underachieving based on his skill set, and you give him more time and you give him more encouragement, and you give him a better coach. But yeah, I think I, it goes the opposite way too. Yeah, and I think a, a guy that it kind of goes the opposite way for, and this is kind of like diverting a little bit, but I'll, I'll touch on on uh, Brendan oh, Brisson. Go ahead. Brendan, yeah, Brendan Brisson a little bit. He he played for the Chicago Steel. He he was he's put produced great numbers. But there's some people that are like, oh, this guy has first line upside, and I just don't see it. He's a guy that really coasted off his teammates. He played with Sean Farrell and and uh, Sam Colangelo a lot, and and there there were a lot of games where I was like, despite the fact that Brendan Brisson put up the most points of the trio. Mm-hmm. I liked both guys better. And, and there was times where it seemed like Brisson was not necessarily riding their coattails because he's a good player in his own right. But I, I think he he's not a guy that drives the line. He needs some help around him. So I, I think Brendan Brisson's a guy that kind of exactly in the, what you were saying there, he kind of goes the opposite way. Sometimes you got to think, what if I took this guy and I put him on the Barry Colts third line or Detroit's third line? And I mean, it's not going to go great for some some players. Yeah, I think that is kind and, and I think that goes back to the top of the draft and that some people's knock on Marco Rossi is, yes, he's looked very good. But Marco Rossi is also playing with overagers who have been in the league for a long time. Um, yeah. But I think Rossi has shown the skill and talent to be able to stand on his own. Yeah. So uh, we will go on to the next question, which is from Jesse at jclay 17 on Twitter. Is it Tony's opinion that Perfetti is the best option for Detroit at number four, assuming no. the top three is Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzel? And why does he believe slash oppose that? Well, my opinion is that if I was the Ottawa at third, the third best player in this draft is Lucas Raymond. So if I'm Detroit at four and Stutzel goes at three, Preach, I'm, still Tony. Take, I'm still taking Lucas Raymond. <laughs> Um, Lucas Raymond is just a guy that like, I'm looking at my rankings right now and, and I have like columns from like my, my November, January, March rankings and in right down to my June rankings. And, and I look at the, the Lucas Raymond column and it's, th- it's been three across the board. I, it, it hasn't changed for me. This kid's a stud. Uh, I talked about a little bit earlier where I think he can really drive a line from the wing. And, and in my opinion, if Detroit gets him at four, that might end up being the steal of the draft. Cause there's a legit, there's a legitimate chance that he might be the best player in this draft when it all said and done. Yeah, and I think a lot of what confused people is people look at his his line from his last season, and then you look at reports saying Lucas Raymond will probably be the best goal scorer of this draft. And you look at it and you go, how he really hasn't scored many goals. But you got to look at opportunity time. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be a guy that he can... He can score goals, but I don't think that's going to be his calling card. Like I, I do think Alexander Holtz is probably a better goal scorer than than Lucas Raymond, even just when we're comparing the two top Swedes. But I think Lucas Raymond's going to be a guy that that almost has that Patrick Kane or Termi Panarin upside. A Yogi went on our podcast recently. We were just talking, and and he brought up our Temi Panarin as a comparable for him. And in the the stylistic play and the way they drive the line from that from the wing is exactly what I see when I watch Lucas Raymond. So if you can draft our Temi Panarin at fourth overall, I mean, you guys are going to be loving life soon. You know how excited people are going to get hearing that, and then they're going to be mad. Yeah, Ryan, when when Iserman uh, goes off the board and picks some random kid from Serbia. 
Uh, <laughs> it's like uh, it's gonna be some dude that's never been heard of before. He comes in wearing one of them big Russian hats. I don't think we can top last year's reaction. I really don't. I do. If they draft Shakir Makamadulin out of Russia, oh boy, so, is that gonna be a reaction? So oh. I had Shakir Makamadulin in one as one of my round two picks, and then everyone yelled at me. And they said I would not take them until at least round three. Okay, I'm going to say something and it might sound mean. I would take you, Ryan, Tyler, me, (laughs) the the new grindline baby, anyone over over Shakir. I don't think this guy is going to make it to the NHL. So what's your problem with Shakir Makamadoulin? Um, like him and a dog have the same IQ. You think? Like, I, I really don't see it. Like, I he's, is, he, is he playing in the that, NHL? That no, he played in the KHL a little bit last year, and and I sound mean when I say that, but I really don't know what this guy does on the ice. Sometimes, like he's he, I, I will give him this. He he's huge. He is a decent <laughs> skater. He's huge. He's a decent skater, but like he likes shooting the puck. That's a positive, I guess. But don't you um, want letters section. per 60 on your team? Like the number of letters per 60 in your name? Just double Zadina's name on the back of his jersey <laughs> or something. Find some other way because you don't need Shakir, I promise. Trade for Forsbaka Carlson. Exactly. Do anything. I mean, so yep. I'm looking at Shakir's numbers from 2019-20. He went through four leagues? Yeah. What is the he- VHL? Uh, it's, the VHL is the AHL equivalent of the KHL. Isn't that the MHL too? Aren't they both like the K? Okay, the- so it's weird. So the KHL is the NHL, the VHL is the AHL, and then the MHL would be the CHL. Because despite yeah. the fact that it's only one league, it has just as many teams. So he went down. He he started in the K or he played twenty seven games in the KHL and only had one assist. He played one game in the VHL and had nothing. And he played 13 games in the MHL and had 10 points. So that's quite a roller coaster of a season. Yeah, but he's still ranked 46 by future considerations, 22 by ISS, 28 by Craig Button. But see, now the one I look at a lot is McKean's was very close to what happened last year. And he's ranked 72 by McKean's. Yeah, uh, and he, 42. Yeah, he's a guy that, you know what, I'll like I I I'm been pretty mean on him, but like if someone team decided to draft him outside the top 60, 70 picks, I I'd probably be okay with it. I wouldn't do it, but it, it's if you're doing that, you're banking on the fact that you're going to take this kid and you're going to try to turn him into something because he's a very raw pile of clay you're gonna try to teach this man yeah you're gonna try to essentially just be like every night you're gonna listen to a podcast that explains how to break out of the zone every every morning you're gonna watch video of how to like take a puck off the wall like you, you really <laughs> 10 years like, old I, yeah like i i sound like a little hypocrite like a little critical of the guy but i i think you really need to work on the small really small details so you think he needs a study yeah i think he needs to watch a ton of video i think he needs to like have someone send pucks up the wall from behind the net and take them off the wall and skate to the middle of the ice. Like he needs to do some of that, that smaller detail oriented stuff that, that can really improve the skill set of his game because there, there's a base there, but it's almost like he's, he's still the best 15 year old hockey player there. The, the, the refinement never came after that age almost. So what it sounds grew out of it. I, I don't know too quick and it just never, not everything didn't catch up to him. That might be it. Honestly, he might be one of the kids that just he was so good, so young and then never got better because he was already the best kid for so oh. long. 
from what I see, it looks like the the analysts are uh, suggesting he might have the tools in the chest, but the chest is locked. Yeah. So he needs like, someone to help him. Yeah. Like I said, he's a guy that I think you really need to work on a lot of the details with, because like I said, he's a decent skater. He's got a ton of size. So those two things alone, you look at and you go, maybe that's worth banking on for an NHL defenseman. I just think there's a lot of work to do in all the other areas of his game. We already have a really fun prospect like that named Otto Kevin Maki. So (laughs) he's basically the opposite Otto Kevin (laughs) Maki, right? Like Otto Kevin Maki's depth there. Yeah, like Kevin Mackey's got all the skill in the world, but he's this tiny little, tiny little human. And and Shakir would be the exact opposite. He'd be the guy that has all the size in the world, but really needs to work on his skill set. So, I mean, maybe you could like Dragon Ball Z fuse them together or something. Because <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, that's uh, they're both kind of frustrating prospects in their own right. So are we going fusion earrings or dance? Because you get different results with each one, Tony. Uh, I want to see and you've lost. <laughs> I want to see Shakir dance. So we're going with the dance. Great. I think we'll move on to the last part of our podcast tonight. And thanks, Tony, for joining us. We're going to look at kind of some of the prospects that will be available in round two. Now, the Detroit Red Wings have three picks in round two. We have our own. We have Edmonton's, which if I'm mathing correctly, will be number 45. Somewhere and, around that, yeah. yeah, and then we have Washington's, which will be in the uh, the 60s, I believe, or close to the 60s, late 50s. Yeah, and, somewhere around 58. Yeah, and I have a few names, I think, that are closer to the top of that, which would be our pick and Edmonton's pick. Um, but first, I kind of want to see if we're on the same page. So some of the people I have in, the, in a similar area are a uh, William Wallander an Emil Andre, a Yan, if it, everything just completely goes weird, a Yan Mysek, uh, a Lucas Reichel, and a Jake Neighbors. And I have another that's a long shot, uh, would be a J.J. Paterka. Yeah, well, I'll start with the two Swedish defensemen in, in Wallander and Andre. I think Wallander's a guy that, that's definitely a guy that I'd target in that range. I think Wallander's got a ton of talent. He's... He's almost what people think Shakir is like. I, I like we joked about Shakir, but he he has the top, the size. He has the speed. He has the skating, but he's he does have a lot more of that refinement. He's developed since the age of fifteen, essentially. Like he he still needs to work on some stuff. Like he's his decision making is a little questionable at times, especially in the offensive zone. But I, I think there's a, a really solid base to work with there. And and I know I just joked about like not wanting to to mold the clay that is Shakir, but. Uh, the clay that that is Wallander is a little bit more refined and you can you can do a little bit more with it. My notes on Wallander, I've got a smooth skater, great transitions. He's huge, uh, good lateral movement, but he tires a little easily. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's the thing with him. He's just he's such a big guy. He still needs to work on his conditioning and whatnot. Um, one interesting thing with him is I, I actually liked him better at the men's level this year than, than at the, yeah. the, the, the junior level, especially defensively. He seemed to like, I don't know if maybe the coach just looked at him and said, Hey, don't worry about offense. Just play defense. You're, you're a 17, 18 year old kid here. You're not, you're in above your head. So just worry about your end. And he seemed to do a pretty decent job. Um, the, the defensive scheme for, for his team in, in the, uh, junior league was kind of not in existent. There wasn't a ton of coaching on his team yeah. defensively. So I think there was holes there that, that really need to be filled. And at the men's level, he seemed to do that. So I have a lot of hope for William Wallander. Uh, as for Andre, he's he's a guy that I think he has a ton of skill. He's a smart, smart defenseman. 
but he he's a guy almost the opposite he doesn't have those those raw tools like his skating is is okay it's not great and and for a smaller defenseman specifically you want to see that like elite level skating like look at a guy like Quinn Hughes who's succeeding in the NHL at a smaller level but he's a, a, a excellent excellent skater uh Andre doesn't have that skating so I, I think there's 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 going to be room where you, you have to put, get, put him with a skating coach and put him with a skills coach um I, his edge work and everything like that's really good so there, there is promise there and it's not a guy that you think you look at and go that skating can't be fixed i, I think you need to work on his uh, his mechanics when he's moving forward he's a little bit uh he likes to push out to the side rather than push back and really drive himself forward so i i think there's room to grow with andre and he's been falling down draft boards he was a top 20 prospect at the start of the year so if detroit can grab him in the middle of the third round with that 45th 46th pick that's an awesome spot for him yeah, with Emil Andre, it looks like he did he captain the junior team. It looks like he um, captained the junior team. The picture that I see, he has a C on his jersey. Yeah. But uh, what what I look at with him and in like you mentioned in the super elite, where there may be not as much defense. Um, so maybe I'm uh, equivalenting the super elite to the QMJ. Yeah. Uh, Forty games played, thirty eight points. Whereas when he moved to the SHL, he played ten games with zero points and was a minus one. So you can kind of see how the transition is between a, a, a child's league, essentially, and a men's league where you really have to worry about being defensive or they're just going to take you over. Yeah, he just wasn't really ready for the SHL. It was a good experience for him because it let him know he wasn't ready. So he knows what to work on for next year. But I think he, he takes that step a little bit more this year and he, he should be a pretty good prospect, I think, in the second round. Yeah, he was the captain of the Sweden under 18 and international junior, but even in international junior. So a group of his peers who he will grow with and develop with, he had 12 points in 13 games. So I think you can kind of project, say, if he grows up with that class minus the first round picks and you can get him in a second round. I mean, he's a value pick at that point. Yeah, he's a guy I I almost compare a little bit to Eric Brandstrom, the Senators drafted a few years back. Uh, really uh, the difference was Branstrom was a little bit more of a high-end skater and that's why he went in the first round but the skill sets are there pretty much identical so I think Andre is a really talented kid I just think he needs to work on that skating now I think a little higher and if we're going for forwards um, I watched some tape on Jake Neighbors Uh, Jake Neighbors looks fantastic Uh, what my notes are he is a fantastic playmaker good skating relentless on the puck shoots for rebounds has great hands great vision and really good anticipation from what i saw yeah i think jape neighbors is a kid that has a lot of potential to unlock still i think he, he's got really good size already i think he's only 5'11 but he's over 200 pounds uh, yeah stocky. that was the other thing 5'11 201 yeah he's like a he's sto- a brick yeah, he's a stocky kid. He doesn't mind really getting in there on the body. I, I really like Jake Neighbors. And I, I'll be honest, like I've interviewed him a couple of times and he's a really good kid, too. Like he seems like a kid that that really has his, his, his shit together. Um, one of the things that really intrigued me about Jake Neighbors that kind of bumped him on my board. And and I normally wouldn't bump people up my board based off an interview. But uh, I was doing a, an interview with him and we we're doing it over Zoom and I was sharing a, my screen with him and I was trying to get him to watch certain plays and we were going to break down the plays together. And and it was going really well. And then there was one play that was coming up and I, I the screen kept freezing. I couldn't get to work. And I'm like, man, I don't know what's, what's going on here. I'm sorry. Like I was getting embarrassed. He goes, no, no, don't worry. I know the exact play you're talking about. And he word like. <laughs> 
<laughs> picture like Jesus. it was like insane how in detail because right as he started describing it it was like it was happening on my screen but it wasn't sharing to him so, so it was the craziest thing to me so i i think he's a really good kid i uh, he's got a ton of iq clearly i think he's he's a guy that is a real dual threat like i think his shot is really good and he needs to start using it closer than that because he likes throwing the shot for 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 kind of anywhere he, he likes to shoot in volume but he's a kid that i've seen him score from below the goal line tw- at least twice this year so he's getting the shots from all over so get that shot from a more dangerous area and he's gonna score more i, I think he's a real threat to go 30 and 30 at the nhl level so for the people that want to hear stat lines uh he played for the edmonton oil kings this year 35 uh 64 games played 23 goals 47 assists for 70 points but from what you described tony he kind of sounds i mean like that dylan larkin student of the game kind Kind of player yeah yeah he's he seems like a, a kid that really likes to get in on the tape like when we were talking he was he was going over some of the, the the ways he goes over game tape and how meticulous he is so i think he's a guy that has a ton of room to grow and and if detroit can get him i think he's a guy that like you said with, with larkin already on the roster he's a guy that i i think can learn right under him and, and just grow like beyond where most people think he can yeah and those are the kind of kids i think you want are the ones that they they want to learn about what they're doing. They want to see the tape. They want to see where they're breaking down and they next time want to fix that. So I think those are kind of more the kids you want are the kids that learn from what they're doing and they want to learn from what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and then I guess last for that in the in the kind of maybe same area and this may be a higher higher levels of Lucas Reichel and my notes on Lucas Reichel are from what I've seen. He's all over the play. Um, always moving, finds the open ice, good net front guy, but his skating's really nothing to write home about. Yeah. And I think that's fairly accurate. Like he was a guy that this year, I, I felt like he did a really good job of playing away from Stutzel and Paterka this year. Um, at most you international, have to, right? <laughs> yeah. At, at most international tournaments, he wasn't playing with those guys and he did a really good job of kind of driving his own line. I, I don't think he was an uber dangerous player by any means, but he was a guy that p- pushed the play up the ice and, and got positive results. He wasn't a guy that really got hemmed in his own. He's a good defensive player, but I, I think he really relies on his IQ. He's got a, a really good sense of the game, knows kind of w- where everyone is on the ice and, and uses that to his advantage. Um, I, one of the things I, th- I really like with him is he he's really good at chipping the board, the puck up off the boards and getting around the defender at the blue line. So he, he intercepts passes that go up to the to the blue line in the defensive zone chips the puck by the defender at the blue line and then he has that room to develop a two-on-one and he does that with consistently consistency and almost every game i watch he at least does it once or twice so he's a guy that he's going to produce offensively where that ceiling is is maybe a little bit more questionable but i think between him and a guy like paterka who i know you mentioned as well it's there's two really differently styled german players but they go right in that same range yeah, I think J.J. Paterka is just a little above our range. I think Paterka might have a little bit more offensive upside where people might take him in the late 20s, like 27, 28, 29, where he might not be, be available where we're going. Um, but I think Lucas Reichel and, and like this is another thing that surprised me. Germany has become an absolute hotbed for hockey prospects which is phenomenal because that means they're doing something right. And and from something that I read recently and maybe not so recently was that they've just uh, over the past few years have taken a look at their system and said, how can we change our system to be more developmentally friendly? And yeah. I think it's paying off with people like Paterka, people like Stutzel, people like Reichel, people like Cider, 
where they're going to start generating some really high level uh, prospects where you have not seen that before. Yeah, because like most of the time when we've seen high level German prospects, they weren't coming out of Germany. That was the biggest thing. Exactly. Leon, Leon Dreis- <laughs> yeah, Leon Dreisettle came out of Kelowna with, uh, the, within the CHL. Uh, Dominic Bach was a, a guy that played in the Finnish league. So I think the the German leagues are doing a better job of developing guys, letting them know, hey, if you play here, you're going to get top six minutes. You're going to yeah. have a chance to develop. And I think they've done a wonderful job over the past two years. I think I think with the cider experiment last year, it, it went extremely well. I know I talked to some some of the German coaches last year with cider and and they told me like their their role last year was, hey, don't play offense. Your worry is an offense. Yeah. 17 year old play defense. And then we've seen how much offense he's had in his game. People questioned it. And I said it last year. I'm oh, like, there's yeah. more offense to his game and people questioned it. And we, we've seen it since then. So that's the one I, I love patting myself on the back for cider because <laughs> I, I was one of the only people that really seen him. So uh, I, I think Germany's doing a great job. Yeah, I think they said that about Cider is just like play defense and the offense will come. You have the tools and the offense may be a little easier for you to work on. But the defense being physical, being in the way, blocking lanes, taking pucks away, that's going to be a little harder for you to work on. So build up, bulk up, get on the defensive side and the offense will come. And I think that's the upside even Iserman saw. And he, he he'll say, yeah, that guy was a great defenseman, but I saw the offensive upside. Yeah, it's it was one of those things where the coaches told him, use the skill you have on the defensive side of the puck. You're a good skater. You have an excellent stick. Use those things. You don't just because you're a huge guy, you don't need to crush guys. Crush them when you can. But if you don't have to, oh, he can crush ch- him. Oh, big time. <coughs> but how many times have we also seen him like he's closing the guy at the boards? He pokes the puck off his stick and he because he's facing the opposite direction. He's the first one to recover the puck and move it up. Oh, ice. yeah. He's a great transition guy. Like I, I'm a huge fan of cider. I think you guys got a top pairing defenseman there and I'm jealous of it. So I'm super <laughs> glad. I'm, I'm really glad I live in Windsor so I can just go right over the border whenever it opens up to watch them. Don't worry. Lilligren will be up next season. Cause you got to get rid of most of your defensemen anyways. Well, I mean, <laughs> you just got to put anyone back there. Uh, so I guess the last one that, that I'd like to go over tonight, which, which is probably the stretch player that I, I'm hoping falls to one of our second round picks and would probably be the early one is a Jan Mysek. Yeah, Jan Mysek's a really good player. I think he's probably not going to be there, but based on some of the readings I've, I've gotten from, from NHL scouts, from public sector scouts, everyone, like, I, I've seen this kid anywhere from 13 to 67. Like it, It's <laughs> wild, some of the That's rankings insane. on this kid. insane. He might have the widest range of, of anyone on the, in this draft class because I don't think people really know what he is. And and I'd like to say I do, but I, I don't really because in the Czech Pro League, he was good, but not great. He was kind of a... a Nine playing, and 26. Yeah, he was playing on the wing and he was effective offensively but didn't seem too too interested in the defensive game and that was a big part of his game because he prior to the start this year he was he was lauded as a a two-way winger like a good two-way winger and then when he came over to the ohl that's where i think he really stepped it up but i think some of that production was a little bit inflated just on luck when he first came to the ohl i think it was his first 13 games he was a goal a game so like that's not realistically not no. going to continue and it didn't for the rest of the year. But he he was over a point of game player in the OHL this year and he he was good when he was with Hamilton. I, I think he pro- provided a really good defensive presence on that line with with Arthur Kaliev. And and I think Jan Myshek really took a step this year. I'm a guy for me. He's probably in my top 20 in the 16 to 18 range. But like I said, I, I know NHL scouts who have personally told me that he's a third round guy to them. So um, <sighs> that's there's rough. 
there's not a, a doubt in my mind that if, if you could even get him with a third second round pick, possibly. Yeah, I think that's some of my notes on him. Uh, he is a fantastic penalty killer. Uh, yeah. He has really good acceleration. His other thing is he's very, very young. Uh, he's, I think, probably one of the younger players in the draft. Now, my my third one is, like you said, he transitioned to North American ice and just blew it away, which is great because sometimes prospects have a very hard time going from having a ton of space to having to make decisions very, very quickly. Um, yeah. He has a fairly good defensive play, but he also has a lot of punch to his game and is really intense. So I think I inhale, like you said, in HC uh, Litvinov, he had nine points in 26 games and was minus 12 in Hamilton in the OHL. He had 25 points in 22 games and was also a minus 12. So uh, I, I, I like what I saw from him, but I, I, like you said, I think he's probably going in and I would say the 20 to 26 range. Yeah, he's a guy that I think he's one of these guys that have the overwhelming skill. We can all see it. It's all evident. Like there there's an there's a player here. He'll be a good but, middle six guy. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's that that concern of, well, how, how much work do we have to do on his game? Because I, I think there's some refining in the offensive zone that can be done, and especially with this passing. But he's got an unreal shot. And if if you get a guy that can put up 25 goals and, and is a good defensive presence on your third line or second line, I think that's a really good player, especially yeah. to get in the second round. Yeah, I think he's also and the other part about him, too, is a lot of people also like to look at international play. Yep. And he played on three international teams last year. The In the U18, he had six points in seven games. In the U20 uh, World Junior Championship under 20, uh, he had two points in five games. And then in the international under 20 all, he had four points in 10 games. So, I mean, he puts up good international numbers too. But uh, again, I think he's got a high enough ceiling to where if he hones his game a bit and learns from people on his team, um, he could really be a, a good middle six guy. Yeah, that's kind of right where I put him, too. Cool. I I think we agree on that. But uh, I think that's our time for tonight. And I think we learned, uh, especially Ryan, learned a lot in in just an hour of time at just how much possibility there is for the Red Wings to pick up some impact guys and and to just, uh, I guess, maybe jumpstart this rebuild because this draft is fairly deep. Next year, not so much. Next year, from what I've heard, Tony, and I don't know if you agree, is is pretty defensive heavy at the top. Yeah, next year is kind of a, a weird draft because there, whereas this year we kind of, we know it's Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzel, Raymond kind of guys at the top. Next year, it's a little bit more wide open. Right now, Atu Ratu, a finished center, is kind of like the, the lead guy, but there's no guarantee that he's the top guy. Like I've even debated not putting him as the top guy on my board. So um, there, there's a there's going to be a ton of fun at the top. And I think next year there'll be four or five guys that you can maybe justify at first overall. So what you're saying is we're playing for 2020. 223. Yeah. Next year, I think it would be a really good year for you guys to get someone to pair with, with Mort Sider. I know I've talked to some people about a guy like Carson Lambos and how perfect of a pairing that would be. Cause I think both guys have the size, skill, skating, and, and two way ability to, to really just take over the game. I think, I think that would be a dominant pairing at the NHL level. And while we've kind of talked about Morris Sider having that top pairing upside, I, I don't know if there's a true number one guy in there, but Carson Lambos could be that true number one guy to go on that pairing. And in, if you have Sider Lambos as your top pair, 
pairing or even cider Owen power cider Brant Clark. Th- these guys are, are got a ton of skill on defensive end next year. So I, I think next year is a, a year that you draft a defenseman maybe in the top 10, because this year as good as Jamie Drysdale is as good as Jake Sanderson is. I like both those guys, but the, the upside just isn't there with those guys. They might be top pairing guys, but next year you have a chance at number ones in a few of them. Isn't uh, the next Hughes and not the next draft, but the draft after? No, yeah, he's in the next draft. Uh, Luke Hughes, he's also a guy that's probably going to go in the top 10. Uh, he's another guy that's he's got a ton. He's a really, really good skater. Like when Quinn Hughes was coming out of the draft, he said that Luke Hughes, his younger brother, was an even better skater. And, and while I, we've seen what Quinn Hughes can do at the NHL level, so I don't want to say Luke is a better skater, but it, he's not far off. Luke Hughes is a really, really good skater. So he's another one of these guys, defensemen that's going to be in the top 10 of next year's draft that has a realistic shot at pushing for that number one pick or pushing for a top three pick. So what you're telling us, though, is we should really be waiting for 2022 to tank for Shane Wright. Yeah, no, 100 percent. That's a franchise guy. <laughs> Just wait a few more years. We'll get him. We'll get Shane Wright and then everything will be right in the entire world. Not no pun intended. Ha, I see what you did there. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be really crazy when Shane Wright drops all the way to fourth overall. <laughs> oh, my God. God come on, it, man. You know, we we're doing so well. <laughs> hey, and if we it's to bring up the fourth. So who are you putting up top? Savoy or Lambert? Uh, you know what? I'm just going to put some random kid. Some, uh, well, Shakira will be a third year re-entry. So let's bring him. <laughs> let's go, baby. Guys, Shakira unlocked his full <laughs> potential. He's like Super Saiyan 3 Goku. We're putting him at number one. It's put crazy. Him- <laughs> he, went, he went from not knowing how to play hockey and now he's really good. He's like, God, <laughs> he's McDavid 2.0. Put him up there. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a good outlook on kind of what we can probably expect a little bit. I, I think I agree with Tony. Someone like Raymond or Rossi hopefully is our number four pick. And, and even Stutzel could fall if, if someone takes a Raymond a little higher. And I think, though, at four, we're pretty locked on having uh, not a franchise defining player, but someone that that will really be a, a top end forward or defenseman, maybe to help us out. Yeah, I think Detroit has a chance at, and I and I right now Larkin's probably your best player, and if it's not him, it's the skill of Manthan. There's a chance that he's the best player on the or team. Or Zadina, who, or Zadina, yeah. But I I think whoever you draft this year has a real chance at being the the most skilled player on the team. So whether it's Stutzel, whether it's Raymond, whether it's Ross, yeah, I think you guys are going to be getting a, a really good player that you guys really need right now. So, awesome. do you think they come in this year? Um, I I don't know. I think. Rossi's probably the most ready of those three. Um, I, I think Stutzler would probably be in the AHL if they had an AHL year, but I think he's probably going to end up staying in, in Germany. Um, as for Raymond, I, I think he probably needs one more year in the SHL before he comes over. Uh, you look at a guy like Elias Pettersson, he, he did the exact same thing. He stayed one more year over in Sweden and came over, and now he's one of the best players in the world. So yeah. I, I don't want to put that pressure on Lucas Raymond, but there there's the possibility there. He's that good. Now, Sweden. The AHL has not canceled, if I'm not mistaken. So I think if you get someone like a Rossi or a Raymond, I think they would go directly to Grand Rapids. Yeah, I think do that after their like, would they be able to do it as soon as they're because I know that Sweden's supposed to be starting soon, correct? Could they get out halfway through? So Sweden started already in. I know Marco Rossi was talking about signing with a couple different teams, and I don't know if he's decided on signing with a team in, in in. Uh, Europe right now but he they're both probably going to end up playing the full year there just because this year is going to be a compact year it's going to be a weird year um, I, and I I'm not know. bringing anyone to the United States currently 
Yeah, so. exactly. Right. Like, I, I don't know if the NHL is really going to across the league. I don't know how many guys outside of the obvious, the guys at the top of the draft with the Lafreniere, I, I, even Byfield. I don't know if he's going to play next year. I, if I'm Byfield, I probably push for a full year in the OHL because you're going to get a start there at least. So, yeah, mm-hmm. um, AHL is starting December 4th, by the way. Yeah. AHL. Yeah, AHL is tentatively scheduled for December 4th, and they seem like they want to get it off off the floor. And the NHL, if I'm not mistaken, is committed to at least helping financially with that in terms of the testing and everything like that. So yeah. th- there's there's positive signs going towards the HL having a season this year. And and I think it would be a detriment to so many teams in, in the development of the prospects that they didn't. So I think the NHL is going to do what they can to get that league off the ground. Even if it's a, a half season, they play 40 games or something, it's better than not playing at all. Yeah, absolutely. Got to get the development in any way you can. So, yeah, uh, Tony, thank you for joining us tonight. I kind of want you to wrap up just by telling everyone where you can find you and your partner and Dabber uh, on Twitter. Uh, well, you can find me at the Tony Ferrari on Twitter. You can find Yoki at Yoki Nevalinen. Uh, if you want to find us both in the same place, you can go to Dauber Draftcast on Twitter and, and follow us there and the podcast there. Uh, we're going to be doing an episode with Cam Robinson from the managing editor of Dauber Prospects. And we're going to be kind of looking into the risers and followers of the draft and going on some numbers that we've found from some consensus rankings and, and see who's really been the top riser and who's been the top follower for the draft this year. So we'll be doing that this weekend. Should be out next week. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, Tony. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, you can follow us online at Grindline Pod. You can find Ryan online at RDRyan33 and me online at Bringing the Wing, but I am mostly at Grindline Pod now. You can find our podcast on Google Play, on iTunes, on Spotify. Uh, anywhere you find podcasts, you can find us. I'd like to give a shout out to Founders, which is the official beer of the Grindline podcast. And if you go to howieshockeytape.com and use promo code Grindline, you can get 10% off your order. And if you use that same promo code on Bring Hockey Back, you can get 12% off your order. Uh, but again, thank you for listening to us and for Ryan and for this episode, Tony, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.